It's July 13th, 2014, and you're listening to the Architecture Happy Hour. I'm Laura. And I'm Larry. And it's a two-drink minimum, so grab your glass and let's get started. Hey, everybody. Happy summer. <laughs> We are in the thick of it in our 100-degree days here in Dallas. And Final, finally 100-degree days. Yes. We, no, we got lucky with a pretty decent yeah. June. It was it's been seasonably, un, season, unseasonably cool. Right. If you can call it 90s cool. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, just recently this week got into the 100s, and we were just talking about how that is just sucking the energy out of us. <laughs> like there's no tomorrow. Ugh. Yeah, so we're going to try to be perky and peppy for the podcast, but if you hear us start to, start to drift off towards the end, don't. It's not you, it's us. Yes, exactly. Well, because we're recording here in our office on a day when the air conditioning's not on. Yes. And, of course, we have to turn the fan off because you don't want to hear that over the podcast. So. Right, right. So we're coming to you from the very balmy studios of, of HPD that's Architecture. That's how much, yes, that's how much we love all of you that we will suffer through the stifling heat to right. bring you our message. Exactly. Well, and, and we feel like, too, we're a little late on getting out another podcast because we typically do you know, do a podcast right after AIA National Convention happens, and usually it's in the middle of a month. But for some reason this year, it was, the, I think, the next to the last week in June. And so, you know, it just felt really late. So here we are in July, just finally getting around to to sitting down. And between that, you know, the convention and 4th of July weekend was the next weekend. So Yeah, exactly. Well, and normally, I mean, it's not just the convention. It's, oh, my gosh, holy cow, I'm about to go out of town since you, Larry, mm-hmm. did go out of right, town. I right. stayed here. But so it's cram, 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 get all the projects finished up and wrapped up as much as possible before the convention. Then there's all the, the oh, shoot, I didn't get it done before. before. <laughs> you got to play catch up after. Right. And so, yeah, so well, now the, we're finally getting around to podcasting. And the realization is I'm in my car on the way to the airport that I didn't have in my possession a single business card. And I just... I thought Laura's going to kill me. I'm still shaming She's you. Gonna, that. Oh, well, I can't believe you. Well, and I, unfortunately, I didn't have time to to turn around and come back and get them because well, I was already left the office an hour late. But anyway, uh, but yeah, so AIA convention was in Chicago this year, which was a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm jealous. I yeah. really have was, enjoyed that. It was, um, you know, I've been there before, so I didn't do a lot of the architecture tours, and there were a ton. If you can just imagine. Oh, sure. So I skipped all the tours, you know, having been there before. But still, it was it was really it was a good time. It was a different kind of convention. There was a lot of focus this year. It seemed on the emerging professionals, like AIA National has finally figured out that oh crap, half of our people are going to retire in the next couple of years, for the next five years, and and what are we doing for all the people who are coming up behind them? And because it's a different group, and there's different expectations and different ways of communicating, there's all that stuff. So there seemed to be a lot of focus on that this year, or at least. For me, there was because I went to a lot of those sessions. So it's kind of interesting. Well, and it's nice to see that they're actually making room in the schedule for a whole track to yeah. address those issues. Yeah. And they're taking it seriously rather than just it sort of being a fringe discussion mm-hmm. and sort of a, you know, a few people are dealing with this, but now they're realizing that the entire organization is dealing oh, yeah. with this. Yeah. yeah. Well, so much so that I found out that they had all reached out to all of the knowledge communities, which are groups within the national organization. Some some focus on practice and management, some focus on residential architecture, that kind of stuff. 
they'd reached out to all those groups and said, what are you guys doing with your emerging professionals? And making sure that they were paying attention or have started paying attention to the people, the younger people within their groups. Um, I guess for that reason, because they're the next generation of architects or the next generation of AIA. So So that's good. So they're realizing that it affects all of the knowledge communities, not just letting the emerging professionals be their own Own knowledge. Yeah. 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 Well, and um, um, the other really interesting thing for me, too, was to find out that a lot of what we typically go there for, which is what we call, you know, it's our continuing education credits, but it's health, safety, welfare, because we have to have health, safety, welfare credits. That's our... Right, to renew our license with the state. Sure. Um, They actually left a lot of that up to the people who were there. um, I guess it's the the expo, the... um, the, the products. The products, yeah, yeah. All the product reps who were there you know, showing their wares, showing the latest stuff. Those were the guys that were doing the learning units, the health, safety, welfare stuff. So we were, you know, you're looking at the the sessions to take that AIA was sponsoring, and a lot of it wasn't. It was a lot of, really a lot of development stuff, and less about health, safety, welfare. So it's kind of a different tack. So you actually had to go into the expo to take yeah. those sessions. Yeah, I actually, uh, there's uh, one that I did there. Uh, and I mean, you want to talk about a challenge because they have them, they have rooms, quote unquote, rooms set up, but there's no ceiling. So you're hearing everything that's on the expo floor at the same time that these guys are trying to talk to you about product or about a particular type of product or something. And it is a real challenge. Yeah, I remember trying to do a couple of those at the Texas Society of Architects convention, and it's very distracting because it's mm-hmm. so loud. Yeah. So maybe they'll figure out a better solution for that in the future. Yeah, I don't know. But the the other interesting thing for me was that for some stupid reason, I felt like raising my hand this year. And typically, I would just sit in class and not say anything or whatever. And for some reason this year, I think I must have popped up about four or five times just random stuff. You're going to get a reputation. You better watch out. (laughs) Oh, there's that troublemaker again, that Larry Pascal. Uh What is the problem with you? But, you know, no one else is saying anything. You're like, all right, well, let's just talk, I guess. I don't don't know. It was very interesting to to do that this year. You had an agenda when you went up there, I think. Yeah, maybe a little bit. Yeah. Maybe a little bit. And uh, uh, so anyway, so good convention. Next year's convention will be in Atlanta, which will be fun for me because I've got friends there. Hi, Philip, if you're listening, which I doubt, but hi anyway. <laughs> um, so that'll be kind of fun to do. But but before we go on to anything else, I do want to say thank you to some people who were there at Chicago and I got to meet. A big thank you to Ryan Bloom, who I met at the Emerging Professional Summit back in January. He was nice enough. I was an hour and 15 minutes late, and he was nice enough to hang out at my hotel and wait for me to show up so that we could go have dinner and kind of get caught up on stuff. I mean, he could even as easily just gone right back to his, his apartment and crashed, but he was nice enough to hang out there. So I really do appreciate that. And also to um, Ian Harris out of New York, who was actually a filmmaker. Um, got to meet him again at the EP Summit in January, and he is trying to do some stuff within AIA that would hopefully get some of the non-practicing Architects, I guess, it's the people who have architecture backgrounds and went to school for architecture but aren't. So who have the training and the, the degrees. Training, they've never bothered to get licensed or hadn't gone into the architecture field at all. They have gone on to other things like filmmaking or furniture making or, you know, whatever. So just less traditional architecture mm-hmm. career paths mm-hmm. or creative career paths. 
Yeah, and of course I bumped into Jamie and Andrew from Texas. It's always, you know, I think I see them every single year. It's kind of, you know, somehow just know they're going to be there. Of course. <laughs> well, in fact, I was watching, um, just kind of hanging out on Instagram because we had a hashtag party going on for for a Texas Society of Architects mm-hmm. um, that was called Arca Sketch. And so I was checking that out, and all of a sudden I'm seeing all these photographs of all these cool Chicago architecture, you know, monuments and establishments and i'm like what is going on why are these people on vacation what and then it dawned on me oh of course duh they're on a tour with the convention Mm. it took me a second to clue in like they're just not all gallivanting around at these fabulous sites everyone just just happens to be in chicago all at the same time that seems really odd that's very strange normally they wouldn't vacation together right yeah exactly i'm like oh right okay got it Oh, well, anyway, and the other, other two people I want to say hi to are Lindsay and Chris. They are actually, um, Lindsay's the head of the Emerging Professionals Committee for the Custom Residential Architects Network, which is called CRAN, which is one of the knowledge communities. And I went to their reception, uh, I think it was Thursday night, and got to meet her and Chris and talk with them and find out, okay, so CRAN's actually doing something, which is really great. You know, you think residential practitioners are not really focused on when you think about convention, when you think about learning units, all that sort of stuff. And they already have a committee set up, so it's nice to see that. So we're back here in Dallas, and of course I got to come home to my home under renovation. They've, you know, Everything got started, and nothing disastrous happened while I was gone. <laughs> it really just started in the last few weeks, right? They really got rocking and rolling in the last few weeks. Yeah. yeah they... they um, got everything gutted and the plumbing rough in, electrical rough in. I delayed things a little bit. This is the challenge of ordering your own stuff. Sometimes you don't quite meet the contractor schedule. So my light fixtures were a little bit later than we wanted them to be. Ugh. I know, shame on me. But when you came back and everything's just kind of rocking and rolling. And if you go to our website, hpdarch.com, you'll find the blog post. It's called The Road to Renovation. And we've posted three three blog posts to get some sense of what's happening. And it's just my own experience from, you know, I'm so used to seeing it from the architect side. And now suddenly I'm not just the architect, I'm also the client. And then James is the client and I'm managing my expectations and his expectations. And then the architecture part expectation. <laughs> it's getting really interesting. Well, and it's hilarious to see you breaking all your own rules. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. That all of these things that we always tell our clients not to go by the house during construction, don't spend too much time there, yeah. you know, the nitpicky little things, and all of a sudden you're like, yep, I've been there three times this week. And- yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, we were there um, uh, Friday. We went back Saturday because we wanted to take pictures to send to James's parents, but the drywallers were still there on, on Friday when we got there. So we went back on Saturday to do that. And then, of course, I'm going to meet with the contractor um, Monday morning, tomorrow morning at 7.30 to walk the job because there's a couple of things I want him to look at. I'm like, oh, my God, make it stop. <laughs> You're becoming that guy. I'm becoming that guy. But, yeah, but, but go check out the blog post because it's a lot of fun. Or at least we're having a lot of fun in, in some ways. You'll get it. to see the the pink <laughs> bathroom that is no longer yes. in the house. Yes. Not that we'll we'll miss it or anything. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So anyway, so uh, um, that's going on and, and we'll continue to go on. I think until probably we're thinking mid-September. Contractor had a fairly aggressive schedule to get us done before vacation in August, but I think it'll be mid-September. It'd be nice to go away for a week and come back and know that 
things will have changed hopefully substantially. So, yeah. So we'll see. And um, I had a, our first time experience uh, post Chicago, post ever, I think, of having to tell somebody it was time to leave their job. <laughs> right. Not anybody working here. here. Right. Right. But Laura, it's time to go. <laughs> yes. Oh, that conversation. Mm-hmm. No, somebody that you have been. Someone I've been mentoring. Mentoring, right. And we uh, we try to get caught up, you know, every month or so, just have lunch and see how things are going. And as we were having lunch, it occurred to me that, you know what, you got to start finding another job. So it kind of got us to talk, talking and thinking about, okay, when is it when is it time to leave? When do you know that it's time to leave? Because a lot of us have been there. You know, we Laura and I come from this generation of people that think, okay, well, you have a job and that's the only job you have. You know, my parents got a job and they stayed with that job until retirement kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And the generation now, I think, is approaching it from a different perspective. Yeah, I think now the, the younger interns coming out of school or, you know, maybe they've been working for a couple of years, they have a much better grasp on, uh, I don't know if I should say better grasp, but they have a a more realistic view of what they want their own life and work balance to be. Mm-hmm. And they're giving that some priority. They're not just pushing it aside and, and assuming that they have to suck it up and suffer yeah. through, you know, an uncomfortable work situation or um, hours that don't meet with, you know, what's comfortable for them or things like that. Right. They're actually making that a priority and bringing it up in their interviews and with their bosses. And um, so it just makes for a different kind of approach to how you want your career to to evolve and so but if you've never been in the situation where you've been unhappy in a workplace you may not necessarily recognize the signs until it's too late yeah so we thought we'd take take this podcast and talk to you about some of those clues that that say okay you know what it's time to go and the first thing that really popped out to me was this is the and because it was my own experience of this dread about going to the office, about getting up in the morning and I've got to go to work today. And what really clued it in for me was that when I first started the job, I was so eager and I was so ready and I was wanted to work. And every morning I was at the office by 7.30, left the house no later than 7 and got there by 7.30. Well, probably about six months before I finally left for another job, I started well, 7.45 and, and 7.50 and 8 o'clock and then 8. I mean, I, I, you know, I got to work when I got to work. I really did Right, care. and all of a sudden those errands that you would normally push to the end of the day and weren't so important, right. you started giving them higher priority and yeah. you would stop on your way to work and get something else done. or yeah. yeah, yeah, or leave earlier than I should and not worry about making up the time. You know, that's like, because right. I was, I think at that point I was still working out with the, the trainer that I had at that time. And usually my appointment was at 4.30 in the afternoon, so I'd have to leave at 4.15. Well, you know, I I was showing up at 7.30 in the morning and working through lunch, so I could do that. Yeah, no, not so much anymore. <laughs> so that was really, that was that first time, that first clue that, you know, something, this is, this is really time to maybe start thinking that this isn't where I need to be, you know, permanently. Well, and the hard thing is it doesn't happen immediately overnight. Right. It's sort of this little, you know, bad feeling that kind of creeps in over months and months and and it might get a little bit better some days and mm-hmm. and so then you don't recognize it and then all of a sudden it just becomes your new normal and you yeah. don't really know why you're so unhappy or why you, know, you feel so grumpy yeah why why do I feel tired all the time and right. you know why do I not enjoy my hobbies anymore yeah. and you know all these little clues that if you were to step back and look at it you know which we have the opportunity to do now sure. having hindsight 
going, man, I was unhappy in that yeah. job. Why did I stay so long? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, knowing what now we can see on the other side. Yeah. Um, it, but it's hard when you're in the middle of it. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and two, the, the second thing was you find yourself focusing more on what your personal tasks, like Laura said, you know, you're, you're taking a little extra time to go run an errand at lunch because, well, you know, that means I have to go back to the office. Well, I'll, I'll do this first. Get my personal task out of the way, and then I'll focus on, on my work stuff. And work stuff suddenly becomes secondary to, you know, your personal personal habits. And I think mm-hmm. what you said for your your first time that ever happened to you, and you didn't recognize it, but mm-hmm. you were you were answering personal emails a lot. Yeah, I found myself checking my personal email more frequently during the day, which normally I probably wouldn't do. Like I would mm-hmm. be afraid that that you know would would catch the kind of attention I wouldn't want from my employer and. And so I just wouldn't do it. Like, I would only check on lunch breaks and sure, things like that. And sure. all of a sudden, I found myself feeling entitled to check it during the day. And But what I found or what I realized afterwards was that I had a need to help people and to feel needed and to feel appreciated. And so if anybody was contacting me on my personal email, it was because they had a question for me or they had something that I could respond to and feel instantly rewarded because I, <laughs> I've, I, accomplished I've accomplished Yay. something and I wasn't getting that from yeah. my professional work. And that, um, that little clue should have been a huge clue. Um, but it wasn't at the time. And right. looking back now, I go, Oh, of course. Of course. Yeah. Well, if I just paid a little bit of attention to it, well, and it cost you your job at the time, didn't it? It did. I ended up because I had never been let go from a, a job ever. And any time I had left a job, it had been either to go back to school or because it was the end of the summer, you know, whatever. That it wasn't. It was out of my control. It wasn't mm. something that I had done that made me leave. It was just that it was time. So yeah, to be asked to leave a job based on performance was devastating, and sure. I didn't understand it at the time, and didn't realize how bad I had let it get. That it was affecting. <laughs> I was so depressed. And I had really let it affect my performance yeah. at that point, and um, so well, and and that actually brings it was a us hard lesson to learn. Yeah, and that brings us to the third clue because you were spending a lot of time on things in the office that weren't billable, that were non-billable tasks. But you were think, thinking, oh well, this is a lot more fun than what I'm doing right now. Right. Well, in fact, I because I do like to work together with another person and and be, have that feedback and and be able to help and teach and and feel productive in the moment. And so anytime there was even a non-billable type of activity like helping the office administrator with you know figuring out how to make labels or you know what do I do with this filing stuff. It had nothing to do with any of my projects, <laughs> but it was somebody <laughs> reaching out to me who needed help and it was a skill that I had that I wasn't getting to use and and so it made me feel good. You know, it yeah. was a nice change of pace versus, you know, trudging along through these drawings that uh-huh. I didn't feel like oh, were... Yeah, another set of red lines Exactly, to do. Yeah. yeah. And feeling like, if I do these drawings faster today, does that get me any closer, you know, yeah. to being successful in this project? No, it just means I get piled on more yeah. red lines. Yeah. So versus being able to see an immediate cause and effect, like, look at this, I'm smart about something and I can help this person. And uh, yeah, it was well, kind of that, a problem. Well, real reward you weren't getting. Right, exactly. I wasn't yeah. getting the acknowledgement. And then when it's somebody who says, thank you so much for helping me, well, that goes a long way. And yeah. that was feeding a piece of me that wasn't getting that in my normal day-to-day. 
responsibility. So, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. And again. <laughs> and again, there it was, another there, clue. There was another clue. Yeah. Well, and the, the big thing, I think, um, we were asking James, because, you know, James is, has been in HR for 20 years. We were just figuring that out. And so he's seen a lot of this stuff. And he said, well, one of the things when you, when you see it is you kind of have to step back and look at it because you're not well where you're doing it is that you're disassociating yourself from the other people at the office or from your projects or from, you know, the firm itself. It's that you just start kind of stepping, pulling back a little bit, I guess. And, that, you know, and, and what you're doing is you're, you're not – you're doing your job. You know, you're, mm-hmm. you're actually doing the work, but you're not – doing anything more than sort of going through the motions about it that you're getting you're doing the bare minimum to get it done and you're not thinking oh well maybe i should ask about this or i should change this or you know what's the point you know i can go 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 to my boss and say hey i need to i think this is wrong can we you know should we have to look at this because well you know they're probably going to tell you no and just just get in get the work done go home and yeah, it. and I've, I've experienced that, too, where I've, if I got into a situation or, you know, in an office uh, culture where mm-hmm. I, I, over time, had experienced the fact that any of my, what I might have thought were good ideas or questions that might lead to improvements in the project that they would just get shot down or ignored or not acknowledged then it just becomes the point of well, I may not even bring it up at all because yeah, what's, it's not. What's the bother? Yeah, what's the point? It's not going to make a difference. They're not going to listen to me or appreciate right. anything I have to bring to the table. Yeah, and so you do. You just start going, giving them what they expect. You know, and to a certain point, that's necessary in an office to keep mm-hmm. things moving. But you also, you know, I would think most interns and most architects thrive in a community where they're creative influence has mm-hmm. some value. I mean, well, that's well, why we can, do this yeah, creative thing. You have a creative outlet. Yeah, why we have meetings and charrettes and design, you know, around the table, lots of trace flying and and those opportunities to come up with new thoughts. But if you don't have that chance to communicate and to contribute to that, it can really feel like, yeah. uh, like you're not being used for you know, some of the talent you may be bringing to the table. Well, yeah, and, and the last, well, the, the job that I left, you know, eight years with my first firm when I realized it was time to go then it only took six months at my second job to realize it was time to go but it, but it was very quickly that that thing of they brought me in very specifically for some projects and those projects weren't happening well they didn't know where to put me past that so my days were spent doing a lot of nothing and suddenly you know I had I had no I wasn't part of a particular work group, so I had no connection to the other people in the office. So I was already sort of disassociating in that fashion. And then to come in every day and go, okay, I'm at work, it's 8 o'clock, sitting at my desk, I'm not sure what I'm going to do, no one has any idea what to give me to do, and so, oh good, it's lunchtime, let's go have lunch. Go have lunch, and then come back and go, okay, it's it's, it's 2, uh, okay, it's 2.30. <laughs> okay, well, five isn't far along. I mean, you know, and that kind of slowly just – and then the first opportunity that came up, which was actually an ideal opportunity, I jumped at it. I, you know, and I just went and and knew that, you know, I, I was going somewhere and it was going to be to this other firm. So, yeah. Yeah, I was at that – you know, there was no connection to me at the at the place that I was at, so. Well, and so you may find yourself if you're – 
if you're already, you may or may not notice yourself disassociating, but you may realize that you're looking for opportunities for moonlighting or mm-hmm. for other creative outlets outside of your normal work day. Yeah. And that may be a sign that you're not getting totally fulfilled at the office. Right, and you're looking for some kind of recognition from someone that whatever talent you have, whatever skill you have is as important as being recognized is is has a value to it. So yeah, you start moonlighting. So you start um, the the intern that I've been mentoring, he is to me a kid because he's just he's such a baby now. Uh, <laughs> that's the way it feels. Anyway, um, but he was looking for online competition projects to work on that would allow him to do something creative and do something that would you know challenge him a little bit instead of just cutting and pasting and cutting and pasting. So you might find yourself doing those sorts of things, and and so that's just you know, we went through you know quick five things about what to look for really. And sometimes it takes your take a step back and really look at it. Look at you know, am I, why am I dreading? You know, how, why am I having such an awful day every day? What's what's driving this? And then look at it and start recognizing those things as early as you can because it will start to affect your performance. You will start to suffer at work. You know, you're going to find yourself probably crossing paths with your boss in the ways that you don't want to. For example, finding out that. Oh, well, your performance has really dropped off and your billable hours are zipped, so we're going to have to let you go. But find out before it's too late because, you know, you want to be able to leave that job and have a good reference and have a good someone that, you know, a future employer can go back to and say, you know, how is the employee? What was the experience like? Right. It's probably a better path to take of being proactive, being assertive, and taking control of your own career path, no matter how difficult it may be, versus just sort of hiding out in the shadows until somebody else has to take action. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it's out of your control. Right. If you decide you're going to do something about it, then it's still in your control and you can, you have better control over what's going to, that's rambling. No, 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 more. that's, that's, I, I get what you're saying. I mean, it's, you, you need to be the one in control of that. Right. Cause so you don't want to risk having a bad mark on your, your resume or your reference. Right. You don't want to end up getting fired. Right, really exactly. Yeah, to. because then, you know, you don't have income coming in that can support you while you try to make these important decisions. Right. And you may not be in the best emotional state if you get fired yeah. to then be out looking for a new position. You're in, you're more marketable if you are currently employed and looking to make a change than if you've been let go from a yeah. position and you're looking to make a change. Right. Well, and and the other thing too is is if you if you're you know, you're finding yourself in this position. You know, we're not saying these are all the things that say you have to go. You know, sometimes we get kind of locked into a position and we think, oh, this is all I'm allowed to do and this is the only thing I can do. Don't be afraid to go to your boss and say, look, I'm I'm not feeling challenged. I know you've got me working on this and this, but it's just not fulfilling. You know, what I really want to do is there something else I could be doing that could kind of help fill some of that gap so I don't feel like I'm just kind of going through the motions and just doing the same thing over and over again. Sometimes it's worth a conversation to have, and that can fix that problem. Well, at the very least, they may say, you know, I really, I can't switch you to a different project right now, but in about three weeks, we expect this new project to start. And thank you for coming to me and letting me know, because now I know, you know, maybe you might be a good addition to this project team, and I can try to get you on it. Or, you know, at least see some light at the end of the tunnel. Because I'll tell you from experience if you are fired with cause meaning 
it was something that you did wrong and they fired you because of it, you may not be eligible for unemployment, unemployment right. compensation, right. which can be devastating if you, you know, need that support okay. while you're still looking for a job. So right. the only time really that the unemployment can help you is if, uh, say, you were laid off, right. if it wasn't your fault, and then the employer is having to pay to kind of yeah. give well, you some help on you know along the way. And we speak from experience having had to do that with, with our own intern, David, back in 2009. You know, we had to lay him off, and we paid his unemployment. I mean, that was just part of the gig. And we didn't want to let him go, but we had to. Right. So, so keep that in mind. Yeah, yeah. if you... Um, you don't want to get in a situation where they've got, you know, kind of some ammunition against you. Yeah. Well, and the, and the other thing, too, is if you find yourself in that position of, well, you know what, it's time for me to maybe change jobs and, and what do I need to do? I'd say start looking at networking. You know, one of our big things here, of course, is the business networking, which we've done a lot of and we still do. And, of course, we have the, the Architecture Happy Hour Meetup group. But, you know, start looking for networking opportunities where you can meet other architects or other people in the trade that could kind of give you some direction maybe on where they're seeing work going and, you know, what's the what's the trending, um, I'm trying to think of projects, you know, what's, what's out there? Is it multifamily right now? Is it assisted living? Is it hospital projects? You know, a lot of times the people that are the product reps are going to know more because they're the ones selling and they're seeing what people are ordering and what's happening. So get out there and start doing some networking and reach out to your friends. You know, friends are sometimes the best resources for finding work because, well, case in point, when I left um, left to go to what was my final job before we started the firm, I found out because my friend, I had a friend who was at my old firm, and she just happened to have a conversation with the owner who said, is Larry still unhappy? And she said, yes. He said, well, I was talking to someone last night. You tell him to call them today. And that's exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. But, you know, so my friend was able to really connect me very quickly to this job. Well, and in fact, that was how I got the last two jobs I had before coming here. Really? And that's how um, that's how my husband found his oh, current HDR. job. Yeah, yeah they oh, practically yeah. begged him to come over because there were probably three or four guys from the firm he was still at because he hadn't made the leap yet, but he yeah. was so unhappy. And they said, come over here. They would just be dying to have your skills and you're perfect for this. And they already know kind of our track record and, mm-hmm. you know, it would be an easy move. So keep in touch with folks that have left your firm in the past or, you know, who you know from school mm-hmm. at other firms because um, that can be a great in having that warm introduction from somebody who's already there. Um, and going to the boss and saying, right. hey, you really need to interview this guy yeah. or girl. They're, you know, they'd be a great addition to the firm. That's right. a huge help. Well, and for that matter, if you've left an, an architecture firm or a job where you've had a good relationship with your boss, with your immediate boss or the firm owner, you know, stay in touch with those people and reach out to them mm-hmm. and say, hey, look, you know, um, I'm, this job isn't working out for me and maybe I need to find something else. Do you know anybody that's hiring? And you know, ask those questions because, in, and so in, in some ways, and this is, I guess, goes back to that mentoring thing, you know, have yourself a mentor that's with some, with another firm and that you can reach out to and say, Hey, do you know who might be hiring? Because they can actually put the word out without you necessarily having to get yourself potentially in trouble. Yeah. I was going to say, you do need to be a little bit discreet yeah. when you're out kind of 
feeling it out to see what's available. Yeah. Um, just because you don't want the word to get back to your boss necessarily. Oh, no. So, um, yeah, just be careful about that. Ask people to, to be a little bit quiet, but still you got to put feelers out and know what's available. Right. So hopefully we haven't scared you all to death. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we have all the interns who are, who are listening aren't going, oh, maybe it is time for me. <laughs> for me to go <laughs> but uh um but there are things that you really do this is what you really need, need to look out for and because you know we come from that generation like i said where we were taught every job is permanent and now to switch jobs every couple of years isn't necessarily out of the questions because that helps you learn that helps you grow and helps you figure out what it is ultimately i think that you want to be doing in architecture yeah, and it may not be that, that you hate the place you work or you hate the people you work with. It may just be that you're not getting what you need. So I was at a firm where I wasn't getting to go visit sites, mm -hmm. construction sites. I wasn't getting to sit in on client meetings. And so I liked the work I was doing. I loved the houses we were drawing. But I unfortunately was not getting what I needed in order to sit for my exams. I wasn't yeah. I wasn't able to finish my IDP, yeah. my intern development program hours. And so that it was kind of an unfortunate situation because I liked where I was. I liked the people I was with, but it I wasn't going to get to my ultimate goal. And my yeah. boss, unfortunately, was not in a position to to even care. I mean, he he needed it interns to him. right it didn't fit his business model right. to have additional architects in there he needed the interns in there to do the drawing yeah. and so it just meant that i had kind of outgrown that firm it wasn't yeah. necessarily a fault you know from right. his point of view but it just didn't fit me anymore yeah. so well and i've heard that from other people too like oh we don't do any construction administration here so i'm not getting any of those credits and right. so i have to go somewhere else yeah so all of a sudden your construction documents hours are three times as many as you <laughs> as actually else, need yeah. but you're lacking in other things right. so yeah right. you do have to keep an eye on that right. well and of course you know if you are are looking for work if there's something you know you're you're trying to figure out where you really fit in the architecture community i would say come to the architecture happy hour you know, come talk to the other architects that are there. Come talk to the product reps and, and see what goes. It's, for most of you who already know, but it's the third Wednesday of every month. Right um, here our, in Dallas. Right here in Dallas. Our next one is next week. Uh, actually, this coming Wednesday. I guess not really next week. This coming Wednesday. Eek. Wow. Um, we're getting a really good turnout, So, and you'll probably bump into somebody you know would be my guess. Yeah, or reach out to us online. We're, we have a... Architecture Happy Hour Facebook page. Um, HPD Architecture Facebook page or LinkedIn or Twitter. I mean, you, um, well, as Mark Berry said, you can't, can't, you know, throw a rock without hitting us. So there we that's go. That's good, yeah. <laughs> or just contact us directly through our website at hpdarch.com. Well, we hope everyone is having a fun, fun summer so far. Um, hopefully everyone's getting to take some vacation. Laura is getting into month number... Uh, six. six. I think we're officially in the third trimester. Third trimester of, of baby number two. And yep, what a great time of year to be pregnant. Oh, yes. We're spending a lot of time <laughs> at the pool. I mean, yes. like finding the nearest walk-in freezer and just hanging out there. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, it's warm. <laughs> yeah. So we hope yeah. you guys are having a good time, and we will touch base with you again in August. All right. Sounds good. All right, bye, guys. Bye-bye.